Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that shit on everything. Hey, Craig. Hey Jeff. Well, hello. Uh, Jake Jagger doesn't have a winning record as WSU's football coach, so failure. <laughs> failure. Fire his ass. <laughs> How are you um, going to go lose a game? Yeah. Nick Rolovich yeah. didn't lose a game for like three weeks, so exactly. Clearly, you know, clearly he's the problem. Uh, he didn't lose a game till December. <laughs> or, Whatever it was, late uh, yeah. late November. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is Podcast versus Everyone. I'm Craig Powers, and with me as always, Jeff Newser. And this is episode untitled. Jeff has not put the the uh, episode number up, but I think oh, it's 142. Man. I think I it's 142. That's, I believe that's correct. Um, that's correct. We're going to talk about this frustrating uh, game against BYU. We knew it was going to be a toss-up. We knew it was going to be a close one. And the Cougs did just enough to lose, uh, and I, I don't know how else to put it. Um, it yeah, was a, that's always fun. <laughs> just yeah, enough to lose. It was uh. it was a bummer, you know. As we said, uh, this team's riding on thin margins uh, for in that game, and then in the season when it comes to a bowl game. So, yep, uh, they st- they have four more to win too, but three of those are on the road. Two of them are with two of the best, maybe the two teams that'll play in the conference title game. Uh, you know, who knows? I, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough stretch down the road or with, you know, with the exception of Arizona, but also, you know, who knows? Um, but so yeah, this BYU game, um, started out again, you know, it, maybe it wasn't just Nick Rolovich, that beautiful first drive touchdown and then BYU drives down too. And it just like this is going to be a shootout. We're going to have a shootout on our hands. But we were mistaken. <laughs> this was not we were, a shootout. We were extremely mistaken. Uh, I mean, both teams, 5.6 yards of play for BYU, 5.8 for WSU. Those don't jump off the table at you. Like, it, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the, there was more defense in this game than I anticipated. Um, yeah. But ultimately, uh, BYU's, bruising run game was able to push them over the edge there at the end. And that was a bummer. Yeah, it was funny. I was going back and looking at the drive. So you said it was, it was a little bit more defensive than you expected. And, and I kind of, you know, was feeling, 
feeling the same way to, to a certain degree. And and then I went back and looked at like the drives and the stats and stuff. And then like, I realized, okay, so we had nine drives in this game. Uh, BYU also had nine drives in this game. We, six of those drives were in the first half for us. And three were in the second half. <laughs> we had three, three damn drives in the second half. That's all we had because every drive, by both teams, not every drive, but most of the drives in the second half were like five plus minute drives. Um, and so it just was like, it was just kind of this weird, like bizarre. Uh, and in fact, by the way, our, our sixth drive in the first half was a one play kneel down. So really five drives in the first half. So I, I think the, the bigger sort of surprise for me as I was looking at it was, okay, so yeah, the first half, definitely a defensive half, you know, neither team, both teams had that great first drive and then neither team really did anything after that. I think we, um, finished with, you know, like a bunch of punts. After yeah. They that were, and, yeah, they were, uh, they were driving. WC was driving on a second drive, got into BYU territory and then, right, and then the on, on first down through an interception. Yep. So, yep. And then, Punts on the three drives after that. So, so definitely defensive there. But then in the second half, like the second half wasn't really defensive unless you just sort of say, okay, you know, neither team really gave up any explosive, you know, super explosive plays. It just was like, it just was slow. <laughs> you know, it was, it was lots of runs by BYU. It was a slow pace of offense by us. Now effective, uh, two out of the three drives, we score touchdowns, which is, which is good. You know, that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's a good, you know, point, point per drive average, but you know, it, it was definitely slow. It was really, really slow. And I, I think that even made it feel more defensive than maybe it actually was. Um, given that I think there were, like I said, we scored on two drives in the second half. Um, they scored on two drives in the second half and there were only, uh, you know, they had four drives. We had three drives. So there was only seven drives. So there were touchdowns on four of the seven drives and, and BYU probably could have scored something on that last drive if they had. To. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it was, it was a weird, weird game, uh, from that perspective, but, but, you know, close nonetheless, they were, you know, they were right there, which, you know, both, I guess you can go both ways with that, right? Like you can either be frustrated or encouraged. And I think I'm choosing to be encouraged. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, if if they're going head to head and roughly even with a team like BYU, then they're definitely ahead of where they were when they were roughly even going head to head with Utah State at the start of the season. So, yeah, um, I there there's definitely things to be encouraged about. I one thing that is kind of a bummer. We you it's it's we've talked about it that improvement is never linear um for these guys but it still is a bummer to be in such a close game and 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 Jaden kind of didn't have his best effort um definitely looked more like the guy from uh earlier in the season than than the guy that we saw the last two weeks um so that you know missing a few throw back to kind of some of the inaccuracy on some of the short throws um Still, you know, I think he was, he still wasn't much worse on his deep throws. He just hasn't been super great at those yet, but, um, I, he, he definitely missed a few and BYU was definitely trying to take that away and he wasn't yes. able, he wasn't able, 
um, often to punish them for that. And, and one thing I talked about, um, with some folks after the game is, is, uh, you know, during the game is, you know, maybe he's just because he's come still coming back from injury. He's hesitant to run. Cause I think that he could have just got maybe BYU out of that defense. If he could yep. have just taken off, picked up seven or eight yards here and there. Um, picked up a few first, few more first downs with his legs. Um, maybe could have taken him out of that, but um, I, I would understand if he, you know, he's coming back from an injury and, and running around is how he got injured in the first place, and he's not really looking forward to, you know, doing that. Or maybe he's getting instruction to to only do that when he knows he can do it, sa- like run safely and not get hit. So that there may be that. You know, obviously his completion percentage was fine. Uh, but it again was where he wasn't, it was where he wasn't necessarily putting guy. I think a lot of the throws were short and, and they were not difficult and he wasn't necessarily putting guys into positions where they could pick up yards after the catch and things like that. Um, so it, it felt more like, you know, uh, watching an air raid team sometimes where the other team is dropping back and you're completing a lot of passes. They're just not getting a lot of yards. Cause if you look yeah. at, uh, what Jaden had, he had 37 passes for 257 yards. And this was a guy that averaged almost 10 yards a pass last week. Yep. So that's, that's not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the air raid, the defense that BYU was playing reminded me so much of the kinds of defenses we would see against the air raid. Uh, you know, dropping tons of guys back into coverage, muddying things up. Um, you know, we really weren't able to, to what was frustrating to me was it felt like you know if, the the whole point of like you know a team when a team runs a defense like that they're they're trying to keep you from passing and really you're only obviously and your only real combat for that is is to run it a little bit you know i mean you got to punish them when you know they come at you with those light boxes and you know BYU was running kind of this interesting like 3-3 stack kind of thing um you know in yeah. theory there should have been a lot of space in there to run the ball uh but we just couldn't really seem to get it going you know maybe uh maybe McIntosh might have made a difference uh just stylistically a guy who hits the ball or hits hits the ball <laughs> hits the hole uh a little quicker and a little harder uh than Borgie and Borgie had a nice game it wasn't like Borgie had a bad game but um but but it also Borgie like, was out there nearly every play. Like, yes, he had yes. to have been gassed. You know, like yes. he's he's running out of pattern or he's pass blocking or something every single play. And even though yeah. there was only nine drives, see, he's not used to that in the last couple of years. And he definitely wasn't used yep. to that even in the air raid. Yeah. Um. You know. So it's because we had so many running backs. But it, yep. Yeah. That because yeah, eighteen for eighty three, three touchdowns. The three touchdowns what people think of um, a lot. Um. But it's still there. It's you. You kind of hope he against BYU's run defense in particular that we could have done a little more on the ground. Yeah. Um, but well, it feels like the kind of game where McIntosh might have made a difference. You know, where he yeah. he gets up in there and acts like a little bit of a sledgehammer and um, just sort of takes advantage of the space that was in there because there was lots of space in that box. I mean, even if it was. You know, even if maybe the numbers weren't strictly, you know, five on five, hat on hat kind of situation, um, you know, there definitely should have been opportunities to get some leverage and, and pick up some some chunks of yards. And they just they didn't really seem able to do it. And, you know, I don't know how much of that also was 
um, you know, having to do with the offensive lines execution. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a film junkie, so I can't, I can't say that for sure, but, but given it's reasonable to infer that the, the run blocking maybe wasn't as strong as it otherwise might've been because we know the pass blocking was not maybe as strong as it has been. And, and then we, we sort of go, okay, well, why is that? Well, you know, we can infer maybe that has something to do with getting your offensive line coach fired on a Monday. Um, you know that, and then, and then by the way, not replacing him until Friday, which is, which is what happened when they brought in, uh, brought in those two guys. And so, you know, I, I, I do wonder, you know, how much of this, um, you know, is, is due to that. And I, I think it's hard to pin, pin things down specifically on the coaching situation. But, you know, you mentioned like, you know, the fine margins and it's like, you know, there were, there were plays to be made on the margins and, you know, there were a number of times where we didn't make them, whether that was, you know, an, uh, a, an untimely hold by the offensive line or maybe a little bit of pressure coming on Delora at the wrong time. Or a it phantom didn't turn hold into a hold, but point. Yeah. Or a phantom hold. Right. Um, or, you know, like a bobbled extra point snap or a bad punt or, you know, just kind of the, the lack of rhythm with the offensive play calling in the first half that seemed to get better in the second half. But, you know, by that point you're playing catch up. I mean, I just, there were just so many things that felt like, you know, if this had been a somewhat normal week, um, you know, maybe some of these, you know, issues, like you said, at the margins, um, you know, come out in favor of the Cougs and then they win the game. And, you know, that's, that's a really frustrating place to be. And I, and I imagine it's, it's probably frustrating for the players too. And, um, you know, honestly, it just kind of, it, it makes me admire them all the more, uh, because of what they've been through and how they continue to fight and battle and, and, and play hard. Um, but it is, it is definitely frustrating for me to see them in a situation where, you know, they, they not only really wanted to win, but maybe kind of needed to win a little bit. I mean, yeah, they, they're still two wins from bowl eligibility and it's not, um, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, you know, super far fetched idea that they could win two more games, but also it's like, you know, I, I sure would like their chances better if they only had to win one more game and not two. And, you know, had they won on Saturday, that's, that's where they'd be sitting. So, um, you know, so that aspect of it is frustrating for me. I'm sure it's frustrating for them too. And, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get mad all over again about, about, uh, the former coach, but you know, it's, uh, it, it is, it is definitely a bummer when you can sort of see how, um, you know, how, how the, how the absence, how the absences of, of both, um, you know, the head coach and, and perhaps more importantly, the assistants, um, you could see the impact that had. Yeah. And you're talking about that second half. Um, so BYU came out and had a, a nice, like, you know, five plus minute drive to start, but they actually threw the ball uh seven out of the 11 plays on that drive um and and so they weren't necessarily in full on run mode but after they got the lead and especially if WSU comes back and doesn't take the doesn't tie the game uh you know they score a touchdown they have a nice drive to to come back right away and, and answer BYU's touchdown but then like you said bobbled snap which by the way almost could have been crazy you're watching it like there's definitely guys um, that Haber could have thrown to. Um, oh yeah, and he just two I, wide open know, dudes. He's a he's a he's a punner. Like you, you from, don't expect him from a Australia. From Australia, who <laughs> he never, literally has never played football before this year. He, he's never it, so he's never backyard football played that play yeah. at all. No, and so yeah, never. he he did exactly what you would think in that situation, you know. Um, yeah. But so that's a that was a bummer. Um, 
And then uh, you get then BYU, then they switched into the run, and then the run was really working for them because they yeah. come out and get 29 yards with two two runs on the first two plays in the next drive. They run the ball another three times in a row. Uh, you know, then they pick up a first down on a couple passes, and it's uh, they finish a drive with a couple runs. Um, so you know that drive, what one uh, they have three passes and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven runs. So they're they're already trying starting to unbalance it. Then you get in their their uh, fourth quarter drives uh, when. You know they they came out and WSU got a after um, they punted themselves was able to get kind of a, like an unexpected stop. I I was impressed yeah. by that one. Uh, well, they, yeah, because they, after they got that after we punted, it was like okay, this is over, right? Like yeah. it, it was like okay, BYU is rolling now. They are going to roll right into the end zone, and and then you know this this thing's going to kind of be a runaway train. Then all of a sudden we get a three and out. It's yeah, like, three and out. You get those. Okay. You know, they actually held him, held Algier, however you say his name. Um, yeah, I, I heard Glenn say it a lot, but uh, uh, but uh, <laughs> thirty-two times in thirty-two fact. times. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he runs the only five yards. So you force him into passing down, incomplete. Uh, we get a nice drop on there, and then so uh, yeah, they punt. You're in position. They go down. They score. Nice drive. A lot of you know some gutsy plays. Made during the drive, uh, especially that you know that uh, that real hairy uh, third down conversion to Travell that looked fine. It, it definitely looked like a first down in in the play, and then they kept showing the replay, and then I was like, oh, maybe this isn't a first down, but uh, they gave it to him. Um, but yeah, they drove down like it. It it wasn't you know it wasn't a it wasn't they didn't have much trouble. Uh, they just no big plays, but they just picked up gains and, and it was a nice yeah. drive. But then of course, because of that botched extra point earlier, you're put in a weird position to, instead of just kicking an extra point to tie the game, you got to run a two point conversion and they made a, a pretty interesting decision on the yeah. two point conversion. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> I liked that play call. Why? I, so, I, okay. So I am a firm Okay, so if if I was if I was a coach, I would be I, I I would be the guy that like analytics people love and football people hate, because I'd be like I'd be I'd be like the guy you know whoever's coaching that college now who was that high school coach in Kansas who like you know let's onside every time let's not punt and by the way let's just go for two every time and I would you know try to cook up every weird play from you know two yards out that I could possibly cook up to try and, and just get that extra point, that extra, extra point every time. And so I don't mind a one-off play like that, that that's trying to, um, you know, just it's trying to get an edge. And to be honest, it was, you know, as I was watching it unfold, my, my first thought was, oh, yeah, they got him. Yeah, yeah, they got him. And then the safety, I think it's a safety. I, I have to assume it's a safety makes a hell of a play to recognize what's happening in the end zone. And he like, I mean, he's coming the wrong way and he hits the brakes and turn flips his hips and catches up with the receiver who, you know, to be honest is not exactly sprinting across the end zone. He's just kind of running to space. Um, 
and, and it was like he just like all of a sudden it was it, it was there and then all of a sudden it wasn't the guy had like recognized it covered it and um and all of a sudden victor was sort of left with with nowhere to go because if that if that one guy doesn't figure it out in that split second dude's wide open in the end zone it's an easy toss it's a two-pointer and before people think uh well what are they doing you know having a wide receiver throw the ball uh i did not know this until tonight and i feel kind of silly for not knowing this um but lincoln victor was a uh a 4a state player of the year in washington at quarterback um he threw for like three thousand yards in his career at union high school um won state championships for a state championships like like dude is a like was a legit quarterback um too small for college but you know he can throw so having him throw on a play like that is not super weird um that's not like it's not crazy it's not having him do something he's completely uncomfortable with so i did not mind the play call um i you know just because something doesn't work out to me doesn't make it bad um i think the process was good they were going for some misdirection um one guy made a nice play and kind of blew the whole thing up and you know it's just kind of how it goes i guess here's the thing you say you say that guy made the one play to he recognized it. Well, why did he recognize it? Well, first she said it was a one-off play. You're saying you would use one-off plays. That's not a one-off play. They've used it before. So why did he recognize that? He saw it on tape. So you That's are true. you already had this on. Maybe tape. not that exact. Maybe not that exact thing. But but you're right. The you know the the reverse pass. But they've ran a reverse Victor. pass with Victor this season before. That's true. And that so true. I guarantee you know how coaches are. They're yeah. telling them to look for That's that. True. And yeah, so, that's true. And uh, so. That's not a one-off. They're saying that this guy, when they give this reverse to this guy, there's a chance he can throw the ball. And so if you're looking and seeing that, you know, they can read what the offensive line's doing, read what, what, what you know, whatever else is happening. You know, Victor didn't disguise it very well. No. Uh, we all knew he was passing. Um, he, 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 yeah, he is, he was a quarterback in college, but he doesn't rep as a QB every single day for the last three years. True. And he doesn't rep against Division One athletes for the last True. three years as a quarterback. Um, so yeah, I I still think there is some validity to saying, well, you're you're putting this massive play in the hands of a wide receiver pass. Yeah, that's fair because um, he did make a terrible decision. Like he could have just pulled the trigger that he did have space to to throw the ball, but he waited, and then there wasn't space, yeah. and then he waited, yeah. and then or he could have sprinted <clears throat> towards the end zone, made that decision, maybe could have gotten close. Waited too long, and then yep. he was tackled. Then, then he decided to run to the end zone. He was tackled. So yeah. fine, yeah, it it's fine. But I still think it's not. It wasn't that much of a one off because as soon as they ran the reverse, everyone knew it was a pass. We all knew it was a pass. Yeah, it's true. BYU, BYU's watched just as much uh, WSU film as we have. Uh, yeah. So, so they yes. uh, they saw it too, which sucked. Um, it would have been really fun if they converted it. Uh, any, like you said, any p- uh, play that didn't work, people are going to be mad. Um, I think they were going to get mad because you're almost always going to throw the ball on that because in the NFL you get the ball on the two, but in college yeah. it's on the three. Yes. Um, and that's a big difference when it comes to running the ball at the goal line. That's a huge space. difference. Uh, so I do not think there was ever a case where they were going to hand the ball off to Borgie and hope he scores. Um, maybe if it was some sort of read option, but it, it, it's very clear that we are not using the read option with Delora right now. 
Um, if it that is, might have been a good token. spot to use one, though. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, I I have no I I have no like idea of what a better play call would be. Whatever. Probably something clearing sure. out for Harris in the flat or something like that. Uh, but but yeah, or I don't, like a rub route or something. I, I'm not gonna say I, I I liked that play. Yeah, I mean, I won't. <laughs> I won't say like I won't look at it and go like oh you know like that's the best play they could have possibly called. I'm just sort of like conceptually I don't hate the idea of you know trying to get some misdirection, trying to fool somebody, um, you know, and, and maybe trying to get a wide open play versus versus kind of forcing yeah. something. But yeah, I mean it, you know it didn't work, and and maybe you're right. You know maybe it's because maybe it was too similar, um, you know, to when they tried to do that before. Um, that's entirely possible. Um, but you know, I, I, I guess like, I, I definitely like, I don't mind it if it's, I, I just don't mind something that's a little bit adventurous as long as it seems like it's, uh, you know, it's got a purpose rather than just being cute to be cute. Um, and there've been times this year where it seems like we've been cute just to be cute. Um, this didn't feel like that to me. This just felt like, you know, they, they were trying to, trying to draw something up that was, that was clever. And I think it was clever, except, you know, like I said, the one guy made made a really nice play. And you could be right that that's why he made it. But the reality is um, if that one guy takes literally one more step, the direction he was already going, that wide receiver's wide open and it's just a little flip for the conversion. So, you know, I don't know, man. Sometimes people just make a good play and, you know, sometimes you just kind of have to tip your hat. And, and that really sucks, too, by the way, when um, – you know, when, when that's the difference in the game. Although, as I said, uh, you know, th- there's a chance that if BYU had needed points there, they would have gotten points there <laughs> given the way that was going. But I don't know, maybe if they, maybe if they don't just have to run out the clock, yep. maybe they try to throw it and maybe that's better. Well, yeah, us. that's what I was kind of, I don't know. To, that's what I was kind of alluding <laughs> to earlier when they were playing in a tie game, when they came out at the start of the sec- second half and when, when it was a tie game, they were not, they were throwing the ball a lot more. Yeah, and once they got that lead, even if it was a one point lead, they flipped the switch and they're 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 running the ball. You know, they're they're going run run pass if they have to, and so yeah, I, yeah, I think I definitely think they're running that last drive differently, which probably would which is, would be to our benefit because our pass defense is significantly better than our rush defense. Yes. Um. So if we're we're able to, you know, if they if they're able to if they're thinking that they need to throw the ball to score we're, we're going to be a more of a, an advantage or, or still mix it up because for them they were like well if we just we're just going to run the ball on this final drive and if we get stopped well at least the clock's running because they've i mean they even ran the ball on a second 11 after they got a false start they ran it oh again. yeah they like they, they were gonna weren't run even that like they were going to run it no matter what and then dare us to score <laughs> You know, even on that third down, I mean, it was, you know, third, it was third and eight. Third and eight, third and seven. Yeah, yeah. and they, they were just yeah. going to, they, they were going to run it, you know. And the thought was, okay, they'll, we'll probably be short and we'll probably punt. And okay, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have less than a minute to try and score, you know. To good go luck. probably, you know, they probably punt it in the end zone and we're probably yeah. having to go 75 so the, yards to go get a field yeah. goal, which honestly, that's all we would have had to get was a field goal. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but still, they probably liked their chances, and then, yeah. uh, and then, and then it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't yeah, matter. it's uh, that was a bummer. <laughs> Total because you knew Th- they that were going to so run the ball. That was so deflating. Oh, yeah. And, it's and you, our the run you, defense is such an issue, man. It's such yeah, an issue. Yeah, it's it it and when because we knew they were running the ball, and they were running the ball with the same damn dude. Over yes. and over again. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in a row. The same guy. Yep. For 50 yards. Yep. (laughs) One guy. It's just like, God damn it. So, so frustrating. I mean, I don't... Basically, we, we've gotten to a point this year. I mean, I, I know that there's only four games left, but, you know, after eight games, like, it, basically, like, things are pretty clear. Like, if we are if we are facing a team that's got a big line and runs the ball well, they're going to run it on us. Like, that, that's just kind of where that that is. Every team that fits that bill has done it this year. Uh, yeah, we've shut down some teams from running the ball. Those are teams that generally suck at running the ball already. Right. So, you know, I mean, okay, we shut down Stanford. Well, Stanford is shit when it comes to running the ball, you know, so it's, you can't take anything away from that. Um, Cal, you know, generally has been pretty shitty running the ball, like not terrible, terrible, but not really good, you know, and, and they were really good when they were okay when Garbers was the one running the ball. And so like to have us, you know, shut them down to some degree running the ball is again, not entirely, you know, crazy, but, you know, Utah ran over us. BYU ran over us. I mean, it's, you know, and so, so I, 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 uh, I get a little, I, I'm a little worried about what's, <laughs> what might happen, uh, the next two weekends. I, I think if there's anything to take away positive, though, is that despite all that, they still only gave up 21 points, which was, you know, to some degree a function of, of the pace of the game, right? Which we already talked about. But, um, but still, you know, 21 points is, you know, reasonable and doable. well yeah i mean if you do, so yeah you're going 21 points uh in in nine drives so you have that's 2.3 points a drive so if it's a normal 12 drive game you're at what is it uh you're at 27 points so which if we gave up 27 points at byu i wasn't gonna freak out in like yeah. a normal game, that's like about what yeah. we would have. Pre- that's under what I predicted is about what you predicted. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that if I mean if we have a defense that gives up twenty seven points to offenses as good as BYU's, that's that's a middle of the road defense, yeah. really. Um, so uh, the defense definitely wasn't a massive issue. Obviously, the the offense didn't get a ton of drives to work with either, and and like all things considered, like. You know, but you would hope after what they did the last couple weeks, uh, they there was just maybe one more scoring drive is what you know would have been yes. great. Uh, uh, even just you know, avoiding the turnover, uh, you know, luck, luckily only turned it over once. Um, I mean, they did get one drive; they were out. Uh, was that was the second quarter? Um, one of the punts they were they got. You know, Jaden hit Harris for a big third down, and early on you saw that terrible BYU. Oh, the whole game really, you saw that that BYU like third down defense was not good. Um, but but especially early on, it felt really felt like you know because that first drive we picked up a couple, and then even in, in when we were punted, we had picked up a couple. And so you get you start from a second and twenty, you get a twelve yard to Hobert, and then Jaden finds Harris on a fifteen yarder. And you're like, heck yeah, they're 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 into BYU territory inside the forty. But that, you know, in a game this close, the decision by a ref like that becomes so much bigger. Yep. Uh, yep. Because if you looked at that replay, um, there wasn't much there. 
Uh, Ryan had the guy beat, and he tucked in. As uh, Jamie Vinnick said on Twitter, he turtled up. And so Ryan kind of fell over him, yep. and they call holding. And yep. the guy wasn't going to make the play. He was laying on the ground, uh, which which makes it all the more frustrating. You know, refs got to do what they got to do, I guess. And so now you're at third and 18, and the drive's over. Yep. So... Yeah, that was, I would say, honestly, my bigger disappointment. You know, we spent all that time talking about the defense, but, you know, as we said, like the, the point production from the defense was entirely acceptable. Um, you would hope for more out of the offense, right? Like that, that was kind of the big thing. You know, you, the offense had been cooking, uh, you know, under, you know, the previous play caller. And, and so now you switch play callers and everything that you were sort of worried about happening. And, and by the way, I, you know, last week on the podcast, I said, Hey, I'm not, I'm not convinced that this, that, that, you know, Smith's play calling will be problematic. Like I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what he does. You know, no, no Rolovich around, no Stutzman around. He just, he's just the one making the calls. And, and then the first half, it was everything that we were scared that it might be uh it was it was really really bad uh no rhythm no pace no tempo um you know it really just felt like a mess and um you know so to that end i mean i'm glad the second half worked out okay um you know again we scored touchdowns on two out of three drives so uh i don't know that you can really complain too much about that so so that makes me hopeful going forward i mean in defense of the play calling too though it on the next drive after that one you they pick up a first down they're they're out to uh, near midfield on the 44 and on first down another holding penalty yes so like now you're yes. now you're having a you're cut you're going from first and 20 and yeah. you get a couple incomplete passes and you know they pick up 16 on a on a pass to borgie but uh yeah. then you're still punting uh from the fourth and four on the byu 50 which Maybe that's a, something different with the new coach. I got to think that Rolovich would have went for it there. Yeah. Fourth and four from the, the BYU 50. Mm, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, depending on how, you know, what the offense was doing up until that point. So you might, you, you could be right about that. That, that may have, have turned that direction. There was just a feeling for me as I was watching it. Like, like it's kind of hard to describe it. And maybe this is. You know, maybe this is all just bullshit anyway, because, you know, I mean, I don't know how we love to quantify things. And I I just I don't know how you quantify this. But, you know, for the last few weeks, it just sort of felt like there was this, you know, symbiotic relationship between Delora and Stutzman. Right. Where and and it just like you watch Delora and he definitely, you know, again, not to play total armchair psychologist, but, you know, he is very animated with his body language and, and you just get a sense of when his energy is there when he's feeling good, when he's feet, when you feel like he's seeing things, you know, he's, he's up at the line, he's pointing things out, he's barking stuff out. Um, there, there's just kind of a rhythm to what he's doing. Um, and it's, and it's not necessarily like, like tempo in the sense of going fast, but it just like, I don't know. It just feels like everything is purposeful with Smith. It just felt like, especially in that first half, it just felt like everything was just slow. Like, like the subs were slow. Getting the play call in was slow. Like Delora did not look like he had, you know, command of, um, whatever it was he was supposed to be doing at the line. And not that he looked lost, but just like that, that you could just tell when he's kind of oozing that confidence. And it just like, it just felt like it wasn't there in the first half. And so I, you know, some of that, I think I figured out a little bit in the second half. It still felt a little, 
arrhythmic in the second half. Um, so, you know, I, I'd love to see some of that come together. Um, I, I'd love it if our tempo would come up at least just a little bit. Um, you'll get in plays in a little quicker, getting calls in a little quicker, getting personnel in a little quicker. Um, you know, and, and, and don't make it so that Dolores, you know, trying to, you know, trying to point out, you know, uh, you know, who's picking up the mic with, with five seconds left, you know, right, that, right. In, in the play clock. So I, I think there's room for improvement there, but I also think the the second half was much better than the first. And I, and I just want to feel, I want to feel like it's clicking and it never, even in when they were moving the ball in the second half, it never really felt like it was, like it was clicking, um, like it has felt for the last few weeks. I, I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't know if anybody else felt that way, but, um, but that, that was just kind of the way it seemed to me as I was watching it unfold. Yeah. And there was, because there was a, a lack of big plays, it never yes. felt like the offense was really dominating at any point. You know, there, it didn't feel like they had any, they didn't have any easy drives. Um, they yeah. had, they had some pretty efficient drives, like with some 10, 11 yard pickups. But after the last couple of weeks, when they're breaking off 50, 30, 40, 50 yard plays, uh, we didn't get those. And when, and and I mean that was a, a direct like in part a direct result of what BYU wanted wanted to happen. But... Well, and maybe and maybe that's where the lack of tempo really sticks out because yeah. when you're just kind of picking up four, five, six yards at a time, just kind of little dink, dunk, dink, dunk. When you're doing that and everything's take you know you're taking thirty five seconds off the play clock every time, it starts to feel very sluggish, right? Now, if you take thirty five seconds off the play clock and then boom, fifteen yards, it's like. It feels different, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know, man. It's it was just a real bummer overall. Uh, really wanted it for to win for the guys. Like I, I just, yep. I, I, I don't think there's been many games when I've cared more about when I've considered more. In you know the the emotional state of the players after the after losing or after winning or whatever. Um, but yeah, it just they came over. We were. We were up in the in the Legends Lounge in the FOB, and uh, so they're right in front of us, uh, singing the fight song at the end, and you could just see like so many heads down, and they were just just so bummed, like and the, and, it, and it was just they looked just like gassed and and like emotionally, you know, it it, it it's it's tough, like to because if they if they go out and win, then the, the, the whole week feels better for them. And, yep. uh, the whole season feels better. And they, and if they get to a bowl game, you know, all they've had to go through this season feels a lot better. And, you know, win, winning this one and getting to a bowl game, uh, that, you know, if they won this one, it felt, you know, almost a certainty. Uh, now there's, now they have some work to do. Um, and so it's just, you, I want all these things for these players more than I want it as a fan. Um, yep. I, I, you know, I feel like they deserve a lot more. Um, and so I, I hope they can come back and, and get the, get two more wins down the stretch and, and get to a bowl game, you know, or four wins if they want to do that. That'd be cool too. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. Well, if they, <laughs> if they do that, they probably win the Pac-12 North. So yeah. So go ahead Not and do for that. sure, but probably. Well, they, they need the beeves <laughs> to lose again, but, uh, yes. um, but I think, I think there's a pretty decent chance that happens. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, um, any other, any other final thoughts you want to wrap up on this one, Jeff? 
No, I mean, you sent a picture uh, from your location, which I, I know you're going to talk a little bit more about your location during the game. You sent a picture of the team as they had, you know, walked over to where the band was to, to sing. I assume sing the alma mater or whatever mm-hmm. uh, with the band. And, uh, you know, it, it was funny. You know, I like most fans, I think, you know, I watched the game and, you know, as the game was going on, I, I very much had a very, um, you know, I, I had a very typical um sort of fan experience. Like I was, I was excited. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was, you know, just kind of all these things, you know, as you would think of as a very typical game. And then there was, and then, then the game ended and you send this picture and you were just like, I, I wanted this so bad for them. And then I was just kind of looking at him just going like, Oh my God, like that's like, all of a sudden it hit me what, what they had been through and, and just how like kind of devastated um, they must be. Uh, to be in that position and, and, and it just, it just sort of like, I just felt for them, you know, big time in that moment. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, I'm, 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 I, I, I want so badly for them to succeed. Just like you said, um, you know, these players are, are truly the ones who deserve all the credit here. Um, you know, when Rolovich was trying to navigate his way through a problem of his own making, um, you know, it just felt like there was way too much credit going his direction for that. Right. Like people were like, oh, yeah, you know, he sure deserves a lot of credit for, you know, helping the team through this and the team's still playing hard and the team's getting better even while he's doing this. And I'm like, you know, maybe maybe it's not him. Like maybe 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 it's these guys in there who are who are the ones making this happen. And, you know, now that he and, you know, four guys, four other guys are gone, um, you know, and the team comes out and plays like this. I mean, yeah, you know, there were there were some issues here and there, but um you know, for the most part, man, they played valiantly and, and fought super hard. And, um, you know, I'm super proud to call them all, you know, Cougs and, uh, you know, just really, really impressed with, with what they were able to do on Saturday. And, um, you know, even if they had rolled over, I think I, I still probably would have been like, you know, it's been, it's been a tough week. Um, but the fact they didn't, I, I think speaks, uh, speaks highly of them and their character, um, the kind of people they are. And, and, and I'm just, you know, hugely proud to have them as representatives of our university. So, um, you know, happy for them that they were able to, um, you know, put in a performance they were proud of, even if uh, the result didn't go the way they wanted. And, and, uh, you know, as I'm, I'm, as I'm finishing up my Monday after column, you know, kind of the big takeaway is the worst is over, right? Like, like the worst, the worst is over. Um, and so now they, you know, they've got a full coaching staff, um, that will have, you know, they'll have a full week of, of, uh, of preparation and teaching and everything else they need for this weekend. I mean, Arizona state is, is very tough. Um, I don't expect that they'll win, but, uh, but I do, I do, you know, just think that everything's now moving in a more positive direction and, um, you know, and, and they can certainly, you know, wrap their arms around that and be happy about that and, and know that, um, you know, the drama, at least as it relates to their their former head coach is uh, is in the rearview mirror as far as the, at least as far as they're concerned. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you mentioned that picture and I mentioned I was in that Legends Lounge. And so I, I maybe you're missed if I didn't talk about that. But uh, um, that was a pretty unique experience during the game. Um, so uh, thanks to uh, my friend Brad for uh winning that in an auction uh so we could all you know have the opportunity to chip in on that but also thank him for uh um you know giving a little more so we could have it uh during a rainy and cold game instead of early in the season uh so that was uh that was really cool i'll tell you it's pretty nice when you get in 
and you have a bunch of shrimp and bacon wrapped jalapenos uh, during the first Ooh. quarter and the second quarter. And then at, around halftime, they bring out the steak and baked potato and asparagus. Um, that was pretty nice for your nice little lunchtime halftime meal. Um, yeah. And then they bring out uh, lava cake and apple pie and, and everything at the end of the, like at the fourth quarter. Um, and then beer the whole time, beer and wine or whatever the whole time. Woo. Um, that was, uh, was quite a fun time and really cool. Um, um, a guy named, uh, Mark Hendrickson who helped my dad, uh, on with his loan for his house, which I, I I'm guessing a lot of our listeners, uh, know about the, uh, trouble that my dad yeah. had. Uh, last year, his house burning yeah. down, uh, well, not burning down, but catching on fire and being livable. And then he's had to, it's been really hard for them to find kind of a permanent home. They, they, they you know, they found a, another place to rent, which wasn't su- such a nice place to live uh, for a while. And they were getting frustrated. It's, uh, you know, the Yakima housing market is pretty much as tough as any of the housing markets in the state right now. Um, and uh, so it was very tough for them to find when they finally did had all the heartbreaks, but they finally have a house that they've been living in for, you know, around three months now. And, uh, but so, uh, Mark had, um, messaged me earlier in the season and, and just was like, Hey, uh, I'd love, um, if you, uh, could go to, uh, your, if I could send them to Pullman for a game and, um, you know, we'll get them a hotel and, and get them tickets and, and I just want to make sure that you'll be there when they go. And so my dad and, and his, uh, and his wife. Um, so they, uh, yeah, so he found me on Twitter and he messaged me this. So I was like, Hey, well, I got the perfect game. And so we got him, got him. Uh, so he paid for their, their part to go into the, to Legends Lounge. They got to be there with me. Uh, they also, so, um, you know, obviously finding a hotel in Pullman is pretty hard and ridiculously expensive. So I was just like, Hey, uh, they can stay with me. And so in lieu of that, they got, Got them dinner at South Fork and and a nice little shopping spree at uh, Crimson and Gray, um, so oh, they had, they had so a, cool. they just had a they just had an, an incredible uh, weekend with all that and then just the Legends Lounge was it was so cool um, they were they were just loving every minute of it who doesn't love to be like pampered like that and 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 just feel feel like you know feel so cool about all that and so um, you know we, obviously they lost but that was a bummer but. Um, it was really nice to have that nice celebration for them to finally, uh, be in the house. And so again, thank you to Brad and, and his brother, Brian, who helped, uh, kind of, uh, do some of the, uh, administration work and, and making sure to get everyone in there. And, yeah. uh, it was obviously they put it out to their friends and they had, uh, plenty of responses to the point where there was a waiting, <laughs> waiting list. So I'm, I'm glad sure. that I, glad that we got in early. Um, I got, got that job. I was on top of that. Uh, not that, not that, you know, my nice other seats would have been fine. wouldn't have been fine, but yeah, it was pretty fun there. Um, one thing is, uh, one thing we heard from the staff is that usually the people in that lounge just sit at the tables in there and like chat, have some drinks, eat the food or whatever. Um, but no, not you guys, our, our entire group was up at the window. <laughs> there was like one little, like part of it that would open that people would yell out of, or we would just be screaming, chanting, doing all the, uh, cougar first downs and all those, yeah. uh, all that stuff, singing the fight song. Um, you know, with me, with my, um, sailor language during the game, which, um, 
Yeah, if you've ever listened, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know, uh, I'm not, a, I'm not, uh, I'm not afraid deal. to say fuck. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, uh, so apologies to the children next to me, but hey, you're at a football game, so whatever. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, that was super cool. I'm not trying to brag, but I am trying to brag. That was really cool, um, to, yeah. to experience, uh, and, uh, I would love to do it again. So Brad, go ahead and yeah. uh, bid a bit on those next year. Um, I'll, I'll be happy to, uh, to attend <laughs> again. Um, yeah, I'm, sh- yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll be happy to help him out with that. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. But yeah, so I guess on that note, uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about some other sports, talking about a big donation week for WSU. Talk about a, a bit, an, a, just a massive weekend for uh, Wazi Sports overall in Pullman. So yeah, uh, we'll be right back. back jeff you know what i gotta do what do you gotta do on the way to no i got to do sorry oh you I, got to do i got I, you know right. i'm a sorry. i'm a podcaster you think i would be more uh articulate uh but no what i was <laughs> able to do because i was able to leave early enough on friday was have lunch at pretty fair beer on friday yeah. on the way to pullman which is the dream man and a, and and a beer, of course, um, which is real nice. I was driving for a couple hours, pulled off, and my aforementioned Fred Brad and his and his uh, partner Shauna also stopped. You know, they were right in the area at the same time, so they saw that I had uh, said I was there, and and they stopped by too. And so we got more. You know, I got to we got to see the advertising work again. Um, but, uh, I, I've, you know, I, now I know that some of the people that have went there, some of our listeners just go back there all the time. So if that's, uh, that's, that is, uh, if that's not a good, um, sell, then I don't know what is, you know, obviously you go there because, because you, for some reason, trust me, uh, but you should trust me on this one. It's a great place. you know, I had a, I had a Buffalo chicken sandwich. Uh, that was very tasty. Uh, just a lot of like I love a big old melty cheese on there, lots of chicken. It's a grilled sandwich, which is kind of nice because I eat nothing but fried food generally. I mean, when I go to Pullman, <laughs> so I had a grilled buffalo chicken sandwich and uh, a side salad. So I was just feeling like such a healthy dude, you know, such a healthy dude. But yeah, very tasty. They had like the pretzel bun and all that, really good stuff. Um, so check that out if you're driving through. Check out that food. But yeah, also. Um, so this time I had during the week had had no time to even run to the beer store, which is like a thing of dad life that you find out later is like sometimes even scratching out an hour, uh, in the evening is not, is not happening. Um, but so I didn't, I didn't make it to the beer store all week or even Tacoma boys. So I was just, you know, I was hoping that I could be saved by that pretty fair beer, beer cooler. And I was. I loaded up. I I grabbed four yes. four packs plus a couple other beers, and threw them in my coolers on the way over. That was that was great. Um, highly recommend. I, I picked up one in particular. Uh, it's not the beer I'm drinking now, but um, 
Yeah, now I'm can't, I'm forgetting what it's called. Uh, Frequency something. Uh, it was from uh, it's from Duinell, uh Country Ales um, with uh, Varietal, um, and it, it it is a Brett conditioned lager. And the funny thing is, I went over and grabbed my cans, and I missed it. And uh, then then uh, Brad picked it up, and I was like, "Oh, I need that too." And I think I got the last uh, I got the last four packs. So sorry, you can't get that one anymore. But also, when we were leaving, I saw uh, Tyler throwing a bunch of structures cans in Ooh. the in, in the cooler, and I was like, "Oh, oh, I've already like." closed out twice so maybe i shouldn't do that again um but uh but yeah so uh definitely uh great i picked up some um i'm one of the beers i always let you go first but i'll I'll talk about one of the beers i picked up uh that i'm drinking right now um and uh yeah it was uh it was it was nice to be able to not only stop and get uh some beer or stop and get a, a some lunch but also fill up my coolers with great beer on the way to Pullman when I didn't have time to do that, you know, and, and get, get some really unique beers that I couldn't get. You know, I got some stuff from, I got a, a Holy Mountain Fest beer. I got a, some beer from Lowercase. I got some beer from Urban Family, uh, some great breweries. And uh, so I was able to, to, to supplement what, what, I, what I was lacking. So but the beer was called Frequency Illusion, by the way. It was a Brett conditioned nice. country lager. It was Ooh. very tasty. Um, yeah. highly recommend. Sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah so that's, a... well, hold on. That's, yeah. that's pretty okay. fair beer as I've yes. said before. And I want to make sure that, you know, it's in downtown Ellensburg. And part of the reason we love it is they are run by Cougs, proudly run by Cougs. Um, Tyler, uh, one of the owners was telling me all about, um, going to homecoming, how much fun he had there. Uh, you know, as a as a bar owner, that you can only get to so many games, but so he was really excited to get to that one. Um, so yeah, uh, so proud Cougs. We talked we just talked about Coug football the whole time I was there, and obviously there's a lot to talk about this week. Um, and yeah. so that that was nice. And and yeah, check out their Twitter um, at Pretty Fair Beer. Uh, they tweet on the Cougs all the time, so check them out. Downtown Ellensburg, uh, great place to stop by on the on the way to or from Pullman. Yeah. But yeah, Jeff. Oh, is it, is it my turn now? Now, now you can tell me. <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, I'm going with the old, with an old standby that, uh, it's an oldie but a goodie. Uh, it's an old Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout by North oh, yeah. Coast. Yeah, which I love. And, and so I, I picked it partly because I love it. Uh, Costco had it in pints, which was great. Because normally I have to buy it like in a bomber and I typically don't want to drink that much of it. But um, so they had it in pints, which is great pint cans. And I thought this was appropriate for tonight because the the tagline on the top says never say die. And I thought, you know, that's that's appropriate for our Cougs. Like, you know, never say die where they we might have thought they were dead, just like old Rasputin. But no, no, not dead. Still alive. Still kicking. Awesome, yeah. So I remember Old Rasputin is the beer that got me to my to get my dad to start drinking craft beer, right? which I know doesn't ah. sound like a like an entry level beer, but my dad was like all about Guinness. He was Guinness I, all the time. I could see that though, yeah. Like I could, I mean, it's it's this is a little sweet, you know, like yeah. especially for like an imperial stout, uh, definitely a little on the sweeter side, and so I could see where someone might be like, ooh, yeah, you know, yeah, as so, a crossing over, so. 
so yeah, so it, he, I remember us being at, uh, I think it's called Tap House. It's like a gym yes. downtown. And, yeah. And, and so my, and I think you saw us later that day. I think we, we did a second did, trip. There we, was a basketball game. Yeah. We met you at Tap House. Yeah. There was yeah. a key arena game. Yeah. Clay and Thompson, I saw, key arena. Dad game. and I, I think dad and I did like either they were, we were just there for a really long time or we were there earlier and came back because we were at the bar. And then when we sat you with you and Sarah and some other folks at the, yeah. at, at, at a table. But I remember, so my dad, um, we got, he got a flight of stouts. And he got like a lot of the standards. He got like Young's double chocolate, Guinness, whatever. But I said, like, Dad, the last one, and I want you to drink it last. It, you should get Old Rasputin. And he did, and he loved it. And he drank Old Rasputins the rest of the night, <laughs> like a lot of yeah. them. Nine percent Old Rasputin. So that was fun. Yeah. And then we went to a Cougar basketball game. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I still remember what I had that night. That was the first time I ever had Pliny the Elder. Hell yeah. That was awesome. So, uh, yeah. So the reason you don't get that in Pliny the Elder in Washington anymore is because of, of Washington's archaic, uh, distribution, uh, rules. So Pliny or, uh, Russian River was mad because they, they couldn't basically, basically distributors, um, if you're, if you're not distributing your own beer, distributors they get to decide where the beer goes um so uh russian river was not happy about this because you know they they didn't like they, they wanted their beer to be at places where people who really like good beer could buy it because they have higher end stuff and so you know if like a safeway ends up with a six dollar ipa back in 2011 on the shelf like people probably aren't going to buy it right in like this glass but weird glass bottle or whatever um, so they, um, they were not happy about that. So they pulled out of Washington and I think it was 2012. Uh, so we have not had, uh, to get the closest you can do to get Playa the Elder is to go down to, uh, Portland, um, yeah. at this That's point. That's some bullshit. Yep. That's all I'm saying. So thank you. Three tier weirdo Washington distribution beer system. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I am drinking, Phantasm Express uh, from Urban Family. It is a hazy IPA with Citra, Nelson Sauvin. These are hops. Vic Secret hops. And something called Phantasm Powder. Jeff, have you ever heard of Phantasm Powder? <laughs> uh, I have not, but it sounds very almost so, erotic. So I had, I had never heard about this. Uh, so Tyler had a... At Pretty Fair Beer, pointed it out to me. Um, he's like, "Yeah, they use this Phantasm powder." And I, I mean, I thought, "Oh, is that like a cryo powder?" Because they have these like cryo, cryo frozen hops that they create a powder out of, and that's been big. On, you know, people using this, but this isn't a hop at hop at all. Um, so it is a powder derived from New Zealand Marlboro Sauvignon grapes, which are lit, rich in theol precursors that are known for creating aromas of citrus guava and passion fruit mm. um this product called fit this is from new image brewing uh they they explained it to us i don't know what new image brewing they're just very good at the seo game uh this product called phantasm created by a company of the same name has been incredibly allocated during it's that's a really weird state uh this is an incredibly allocated during its development <laughs> but has finally become more wild be oh i see what they mean 
like allocated as in tough to get like it like yes, you know they, you they, they they only gave it to certain people um but it has become more widely available for experimentation amongst brewers so this is not even a hop that they're using to get those uh those t- flavors you're typically trying to get from these new hops uh so it it is a it is a powder from a grape and that's that's pretty interesting it is interesting now I, i'm drinking it and i and so Citra, Nelson, Vic Secret, those are you hops that you'll t- you'll you're looking for those similar flavors as well. So I can't tell you 100% that it comes from that, but I will say this is very aromatic and fruity IPA and definitely hits those marks especially for a, a hazy that you're expecting. Um it's got a nice body to it. Um so good stuff. Um I always think I probably don't drink enough Urban Family beer. Uh, they they make a lot of good beer. Probably a brewery in Seattle that I should hit up more. Uh, it's just I you know I end up buying from here and there and and uh, they do a lot of like fruited sours like and I don't no nah, I'm not fruited like um, uh, kettle sour type beers and I don't typically go for those but a lot of people really like them um, and so uh, I, I don't end up. With those, those are the ones that are easy to get. They do a lot of different beers, but those are the ones you usually see. And as you know, Jeff, I, I haven't been like hunting down hazy IPAs as much lately. Uh, so yes. that's also something the Urban Family is quite known for. So if you like hazies, check them out for that too. And they they make some long sours too, saisons, things like that. So very good. They are in um, uh, Mongolia, Mongolia, Magnolia, <laughs> Magnolia. <laughs> Um, I don't know why. That'd, be, way. that'd I be a hell of a deal. They're man. in Mongolia. Beer all the way from yeah. Mongolia, dude. Uh, That's go check them out. You know, yeah. drive on up. No, in Magnolia. I'm sorry. That was uh, that was quite a missed uh, misstep. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. But yeah, so Magnolia, check them out, which is just south of Ballard. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's what I'm drinking. Uh, that that was those were our pretty fair beers of the of the episode. Uh, pretty fair beer in Ellensburg, proudly run by Kooks. Check them out. Um, yeah. So Jeff, uh, it was a pretty big week of money for Washington State yeah. University. How about that? And a pretty you know, big how week about of that? breaking news for Kook Center. I <laughs> know. How about how how about the fact that uh, firing the coach? Uh, via a widely popular policy, no matter what the extremely loud people on Twitter say, uh, did not somehow cripple the athletic department and its uh, fundraising arm and instead resulted in, you know, three and a half million uh, in donations. Now, I, I don't want to say that like it's it's one is necessarily directly connected to the other, but I think it's also equally obvious that uh you know, whoever, whoever, you know, these people who made this don't, I shouldn't say whoever, they're public. Um, the, the Alger family, um, they certainly didn't hold their donation back because we got rid of our coach. So yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm okay with this. You know, I think, I think we came out ahead in the end, man. So, and, and the big news, uh, connected with the Alger family's donation, uh, is that it completed the, fundraising for the IPF, the indoor practice facility. Yep. Um, So we can finally uh, get rid of that ass that we've just, that's just been bothering us for so long. Price's big ass can finally go away. Yeah. Um, The beloved ass. 
so of course we're talking about the air sustained structure, the current indoor practice facility. Um, yes. but yeah, so, uh, very cool. Um, this is a very good thing for WSU. This doesn't necessarily put them ahead of anybody, but it is a big part of catch up and very cool that it was completely uh, funded through donation because they were completely bonded out. They could not borrow any more money uh, to, to do these capital projects for athletics. So that um, to get the donation, uh, you know, get the donations is a big deal for WSU. Uh, I know when, I don't know about you, Jeff. When I saw that twenty-five million, I was like, "Oh, we're never getting there. We're never getting there." Yeah, and uh, Chun did it. Yep. Yeah, he did. I mean, that's that's obviously something he is very good at. Um, something that he has. Uh, something, and I should say, he and his staff too. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do these things alone. Um, we just don't know who those people are. Know any names? I'm, I'm sure there are people who know those names, but but I certainly don't. Um, but still, you know, the team, whatever team effort was required to to uh you know to pull this donation in uh, is amazing you know we are well known for not uh you know having big donations um you know which is which has really been the big thing i'm sure we've talked about this before but um is really the big thing separating us from um a lot of other schools which is we just don't have we just don't you know for lack of a better term right the, the in fundraising they call it the whale right like we just don't have the whales um, at WSU, you know, we have a lot of mid-level donors, you yeah, know, you're, you're 25. Yeah. You're, you're, you're Wade hogs. You're, or is it Hogue? I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um, but you know, you've, you've got people like that. You got people who donate, you know, 25, 50,000, a hundred thousand dollars a year, which it obviously is not chump change. Like I'm not, <laughs> believe me, I can't donate that kind of money at all. But, um, also when you compare it to our peers in the PAC 12 conference, it's, it really is small dollars. Um, you know, and, and all it really takes is having, you know, one or two major benefactors to make up that difference, but we just have not had that. And so to secure a multi-million dollar pledge, um, is, is, is massive. It's really massive for us. Like, like you said, when that first number came out of, you know, 25 million, all of a sudden he's just like, how the fuck are we going to raise 25 million bucks? Like, like I, I, I can't even fathom how this is going to happen for us. Um, and it did. So that's super awesome. I'm very excited. Um, you know, I, I don't think the IPF is a major, I, I, and I know this is going to sound kind of pessimistic. Like I don't think the IPF is a major game changer. Um, just like I don't think the, the, the football ops building was a game changer. What it was, was it, it allowed us to not fall further behind. Like it just, it, it's, you know, if you're going to recruit people at a PAC 12 level, you know, you better be able to say, hey, if you're coming to Pullman and we're going to ask you to, to work out and do all these things, then, you know, you need to have a, an indoor space where they can go that's not, um, you know, basically a piece of carpet laid under a giant bubble. Um, you know, that that turf in that bubble is pretty notorious for being horrendous. Um, and it's just, it's like concrete, <laughs> like it's just, it's just a bad situation. So, um, super awesome, really good. Um, it'll allow us to, to still compete, which is really kind of where we're at. Um, again, it's not, it's not the sort of thing that's going to make us maybe jump, you know, to like, oh yeah, it's now we're going to start landing, you know, way better recruits. Like actually it'll just help us, um, land more of the guys that are typically in our realm. And, and that's good. That's good. So, um, super excited, super happy and, and, you know, just thrilled, thrilled that, you know, Pat Chun continues to deliver on, um, continues to deliver on fundraising. Yeah. And I will say, um, 
it was interesting to see. Uh, I I I do think there are people that are. Give, I mean, there are definitely are people that are bailing uh, of, from you know interacting with the university because of this, uh, because of fire Rollo. But so uh, if if you looked at maybe lot one RV our RV lot one uh, this weekend, uh, there was definitely a lot more space available, and and you kind of heard to people saying like they were done, like that they're done after this year, or people were already done. Um, but one thing is that, uh, lot one isn't necessarily the biggest donors. Uh, often yeah. it's all cause, because we have an accumulative, uh, function to our, uh, calf ranking, uh, that if someone's been donating for 30 or 40 years, even if it was smaller amounts, um, you know, a lot of those people, you know, they, they come in an RV and they sit in the horseshoes. Like it's not, it's not necessarily the high rollers. So, I mean, if, if you're still able to get the donations and we know, we know like big Wade is not, not, he's not pulling his money. He, he's mad, but he's not pulling his money, but you know, maybe it's, maybe the people that are mad aren't the people that had had as much skin in the game necessarily. Yep. I think um, that's fair. It was definitely there, but I mean, there's, I saw someone at the game with a fire roll or we love Rolo, uh, or we love Rolo sign jumping up and down in, in like, in, you know, in section two or whatever. And then, and then that we saw at the, um, the famous, uh, college of spectation, spectation and inebriation in the corner of a uh, lot one on stadium way, uh, someone, next to that sign had put up a cardboard sign that said fire patch on, uh, clearly they didn't hear about the three and a half million dollars of donations this week, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but they, uh, but yeah, I mean, that kind of sentiment fire patch on over, uh, him having to fire Nick Rolovich and not really having any other choice, um, is kind of weird. Uh, he clearly did not enjoy that. Um, it was not something he wanted to do. He gave Rolovich every opportunity to uh, get the vaccine and keep his job, and he would have loved it. You know, he didn't. He wasn't spiteful from the start, and was he? It was not like, you know, like I, I guarantee, if Rolovich would have gotten the vaccine in September, Sean would have kept him on. And so I don't. So I, you can you can direct your ire at him, but I it I don't know what. You just wanted him to always, also take a stand. Always I guess. the victims, man. Always the victims. Always the victims. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if you're if you're if you're pulling your support for WSU over this and whatever, man. Like, I, 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 I don't get it. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't get it. Uh, uh, we already talked about it last week, but whatever. Um, happy times. We're still raising money. Um, I hope. I hope we can get better support in the stands. It's a pretty sparsely uh, attended game. Um, you know, uh, on the eleven, you know, people always talk about the student side because you know the the press box is on the other side, so people take pictures of the student side, and then yeah, that was the student section was maybe a little over half full. Uh, it wasn't definitely wasn't full, uh, but. Uh, the, uh, alumni side was barren and there was a whole lot of fucking blue in the horseshoe. Yeah. So like oh it was, my God. 
I was that was I I was loud that we had the stadium sound pumped in, but we couldn't really hear the cheers that much where I was sitting, and so uh, I was not sad about that because what I've heard is that the the BYU fans were the loud ones and WSU fans were not. Um, yeah, and yeah, that was uh, and, we, and you could tell this when, like, usually I have to park to get the spot I want. I have to park at least four hours early and I parked, you know, cause we went to Crimson to gray and everything. I think I parked, uh, t- two hours and 15 minutes early before the game, 10, 15 AM or so. And I, I, there was plenty of in the, in the lot that I prefer, there was plenty of spots available. The one next to Ferdinand's that's my, that's my jam. Um, so that, there was plenty of spots. So I, I, at that was like, Oh no. And then you just see BYU fans walking around everywhere. And then you go to the RV lot and you see some open space. You're like, okay, this is going to be a sparsely attended game. And it was. Uh, that wasn't great. You know, especially after all week, the the kids are saying, yeah. please, you know, the students, are, the, yeah. uh, the football players are saying, please come. And, you know, in, in fairness, this was always going to be poorly attended because of – and I think I even mentioned it when we were doing our preview. Like this is, yeah. you know, the third, third of three straight weekends in Pullman. And yep. after two of the biggest weekends in terms of attendance, you know, uh, homecoming yes. and family weekend, homecoming and family weekend, <laughs> which is, is sometimes kind of a pseudo homecoming because uh, of so many, right. so many legacies that we have at WSU. Uh, we like to yep. indoctrinate. Um, yes, but, uh, but yes, uh, it, it was, but it's still, it's like, it was, it was not good. It was one of the, like, I think the official attendance was 22,000. I would say it was half of that. Like it was. Yeah, it was bad. That's such a bummer. Yeah, that was a bummer. Um, yeah, you know, maybe it was the role thing. Maybe everyone decided to, to leave. No, it was. Yeah, I it's. Highly doubt I, it. I think it has more to do with the third straight game in three weeks thing, yeah. which we had yep. twice this season. Uh, well, let's let's also be honest too. Like that, you and I and other fans might look at BYU and go, "Ah, that's a that's a cool matchup. BYU's pretty good." Um, that's not everybody. Like there are plenty of people that would look at that and go, okay, I can, I can go see, you know, whatever PAC 12 team, right. Um, I can go see Stanford. I could go see, you know, whatever, or I can, I can go see, you know, freaking BYU, like, man, whatever, you know, mid-major, you know, it's it's like, I just all week there, there ended up being like the, the rain was pretty like not bad at all. Uh, but yes. all week, like the broadcast or yes. the, the forecast was like rain yes. all day, rain ominous. all day, rain all day. And yeah. then it like barely rained, like it rained a little bit yeah. during the and people And people make their plans in advance. And yeah, yep. so I, I don't know, man, there, there are people who think, oh, clearly it's obviously people are protesting. And I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't buy that at all. Actually, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's true at all. Maybe, maybe there are a few people who stayed home. Uh, but I, I don't think it was a, an impactful amount. I just think we've, we've had this problem forever. Like, you know, and by the way, this is the second time this year we've had three weekends in a row. Yep. <laughs> like you, you've squeezed six games or six home games into your first eight games, right? With no buy. So if you go to every game, if you go to every game, you're talking about making again. If you don't live nearby, you're talking about making six trips to Pullman in two months. That's yeah, a like lot. I've, yeah, that's I've, a lot. I've done five of them, and you know the only reason I didn't do the other one is because of a wedding. And and I remember driving to that wedding on Saturday and thinking, ah, 
this is actually nice not to drive all the way to Pullman once. <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, yeah, but now I'm bummed because like the football season's, you know, it still feels like there's a yeah. lot to go, but there's only but one, there's more one more trip more to Pullman. Pullman. And it's a yep. Friday night game. Yep. Wait for the, uh, to attend. I know they put, that was one where like, okay, if we have to have that one that week, you know, Thanksgiving week, uh, Friday yeah. is probably better for student attendance, but worse for yep. alumni attendance. Um, yep. but yeah, I, it's, uh, it, yeah. it was just a bummer though. Just it, cause it would have been really cool if we would just had at least a little more full stadium. So those guys could have a little for more sure. support. And then he uh, knew it. You, we knew that there was going to be a lot of BYU fans there. And there was that there, yes. there was, it was almost like, you know, when, when you dub, when we put, when he hosts the Apple cup and that whole horseshoe is filled with purple, it was like that yeah. almost with blue. So it was, it, it definitely, it'll be the biggest, uh, away crowd by far, uh, that we'll see. And, uh, cause often a lot of the BYU fans, they just, you know, they live, they probably live in Eastern Washington, you know, they don't live that far away. Um, so they, uh, they, they showed out and, uh, they, they made noise. So, uh, and they love the, uh, Cougar Pride statue. Um, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> We stopped by it to take a picture at the, after the game, and it was just a bunch of BYU fans lined up taking pictures in front of the statue. Um, and thank you to the very nice people who took a picture of my dad and, and, yes. and, and my We definitely built that for you just yep. for this weekend, you guys. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, because we heard you were coming. Thought we'd build a build a statue for BYU. But hey, I stayed. I don't know, man. I can't, I can't be the only one who's like super annoyed by the way they've taken over uh, Go Cougs on Twitter. And I'm oh, like, yeah. man, you didn't even call yourself the Cougs until like recently. Like this is some sort of like recent media branding. They were always the Cougars. And why did and they take like, it from a, like, Cougs. why did we let them have it? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, the short answer is we, we've not been the best at uh, social media branding over the years. So anyway, I, you know, I think the simple solution is again, uh, just, you know, tweet, uh, you know, go fucking Cougs instead. And you don't have to worry about any Mormons getting up in there. And also, can we just use Wazoo again? Yes. No one else is using for that. For God's sake. Yes. For God's sake, please. Can we just, please. Say, can we just say Wazoo? Hashtag yes. Wazoo would be great. Yes. Like, that would be great. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Uh, all right. What else? Let's see. We got. Soccer, so, volleyball. So yeah, man. I you know I uh, I I stayed Women's longer. Basketball. I stayed longer in Pullman. <laughs> yes, I didn't stay did. all. I didn't stay all the way for that that Sunday night soccer game. I was leaving as people were starting to go into that game because that yeah. you know I was doing that math and you get that four and a half hour drive home. That's if I didn't stop, yeah, which I didn't much. this time. You know, I made it all the way. Didn't stop the whole way. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so. Obviously, soccer. We'll talk soccer first. Um, not a bad weekend. Could have been better. Doesn't do anything to pr- disprove the fact that they, we think this team is really good. Yep. Because um, they just stood up to two very good teams, two top 10 teams, got two draws. And also had every opportunity to win both those matches. And you, yep. I didn't get to watch them, but you did. So I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on them. Yeah. So I watched pretty much the whole USC game. Um, 
you know, uh, that one was, was fair. I mean, I would say that we had the better of it and the better of the chances, um, uh, particularly in, you know, late, late in the game in overtime, USC's striker went out of the game and she, she's a stud. Um, she ended up coming in super hard, uh, chasing a ball and crashing into Nadia Cooper, our, our goalkeeper, um, and, and finished the game, finished, finished regulation. Um, and then sort of like hit the ground on the sideline after the final. And I'm laughing, uh, just because it was so odd. Um, and, and basically they, they didn't report this, but it seemed pretty obvious she had a concussion, uh, because she, uh, she had sunglasses on and it was, you know, nine o'clock at night. So, uh, pretty clear what had happened there. And, and USC's attack really kind of went, went in the toilet after that. And, you know, we had some chances to win. Um, you know, it's to hold USC to zero goals. Um, this is a team that had scored, I, I think I told it up 22 goals in their first, uh, six games, uh, in pack 12 play. So to hold them to zero goals was, was quite the accomplishment. I mean, we know WC's defense is, is excellent. Um, and that just sort of underscored it. So, uh, it, you know, it didn't, it didn't feel like, I guess I would say like the draw felt good. Um, it didn't feel bad. It felt good. Um, it, it, and it did not feel like a, like an unjust result. Like it was like, okay, you know, maybe we had the better of the chances, but, um, you know, a draw, a draw was probably fair. Uh, UCLA, we should have won that damn game. Like we, we had some really, really golden opportunities in particular one with about four minutes left in the second overtime, uh, where Margie Trezio made, just an unbelievable move. So I, I, there was, okay. So we were playing very direct, um, you know, for some people who don't watch soccer direct just means like, you know, thumping long balls up the field and then trying to knock them down and, you know, gain possession there or knock it ahead to somebody else after that. Um, so we had played a long ball and I, and I think it was Elise Bennett. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Elise Bennett, um, headed the ball over to Detrezio who, um, knocked it down with her chest and then made a nifty little, poke with her toe um, to split the defenders. And she was clearing on goal, clearing on goal. Like all she had to do, very, very simple finish to the corner um, that, that any, just about any college level forward is, is probably going to put away about nine out of 10 times. And uh, this was the one out of 10. Yeah. She missed the frame completely, which again, you know, four minutes left in overtime. I mean, I'm sure. and, And by the way, second game of double overtime, in, in four days. So, you know, she, she is a, is a sub, but, um, you know, so she plays a little bit less, but still she had played a ton of, a ton, a ton, a ton of minutes. Um, so she, she pushed it wide. And then, and then a couple minutes later, uh, they had another chance. They had a, another break. Uh, UCLA had a turnover at midfield. Um, you know, Frimpong Ellerson is, is driving up the field. It's, it's basically an, an odd man, you know, hockey, they'd call it an odd man rush, right? It was like a two on one. Um, and so she plays it to, she kind of draws the defender in just a little bit as they're approaching the 18 yard box, uh, passes a beautiful pass to, uh, to Elise Bennett to play her in. And then of course, with, you know, with a, a lot of minutes, I, I don't think Elise Bennett came off the field in either game. So she played 220 minutes in four days, uh, which is, it's a lot of minutes for a soccer player. Um, in particular, by the way, the way we play, right? We, we run up and down the field a lot. So she yep. heavy touch and, and it, it got away from her right to the keeper when, um, in theory, she should have been in on goal for a pretty, pretty good, uh, finish to, that would have won the game. And, and so, and actually Detrezio now and think about it, that was right before the end of regulation. Now that I'm thinking about that one. So, um, and the one with Bennett was, was in, in the second overtime again, uh, it was kind of right there and, 
didn't make the play. So that, that's the part that was, was tough was it felt like UCLA it felt like we really should have beat UCLA. Um, but the takeaway again is, you know, like you said, we're, we're as good as anybody in the conference. Uh, you know, the game against Stanford that we lost, uh, you know, very easily could have, you know, we lost that one, one to nothing very easily could have, uh, had a draw or even a win in that game as well. Um, we are every bit as good as, you know, the, the major powers in the conference in California. Um, and, and, and I think I, you know, I'm a little concerned that we may get, uh, under seated in the tournament. Um, so I guess we'll see kind of how that goes. Cause we don't really have a signature win. Um, you know, if we do get under seated, we're, I don't know, man, we could, we could make life very difficult for some people. Um, if, if presuming we can get past that, those early, those early round games where, where other, you know, mid major type teams tend to be under seated as well. Yeah. I mean, they've given up what, uh, that, that goal they gave up to UCLA was the second goal they've given up in league play. Yep. Um, just the fifth goal all year, I believe, um, in all games. Um, yeah, now they're sitting at fourth. Uh, they obviously, if they get that win over, you know, if they can get that one at UCLA, then they're, uh, above UCLA right now. Or yeah, uh, let's see, they'd be at 17, UCLA be at. Yeah, they'd be above UCLA in third and probably be sitting pretty. You know, they definitely don't have a, a big fish left on the, the schedule. They have at the Oregon schools this weekend and then um, uh, at UW, so three three road matches. Uh, yep. So, uh, But see, Oregon's a big one. Uh, yeah, Oregon's tricky, man. Yeah. Oregon's tricky. And and they're right below WSU in the standings. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a tough one. Um, UW uh, beat them last year, um, and uh, so you know they they need to get that winning streak back going. Um, yeah, and then uh, you know Oregon State isn't terrible either. So uh, they they are the only Pac-12 team to beat Stanford. Yeah, this year. So they they've got some talent. So this is the three, Sid, uh, no gimmies. We got the Sydney Studer, we got the Studer revenge game in that one. That'll be fun. There you go. Uh, yeah, and, and no no gimmies. Uh, three nope. uh, solid teams on the road. Um, but yeah, if, if you can get those. Um, and and w- really, when you play defense like they do, uh, y- you got a chance anytime, anytime to win. Yes. Especially um, when and they that's have- part of why they've been so good on the road. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, uh, so yeah. So go out there. Yeah. You know, got three more to go. If they win them all, I definitely think they'll be in the tournament. I don't know how you keep a, the fourth place Pac-12 team. Oh, I think the they're all. I think they're already in. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think that's a concern. I. But it sure would be cool to make a push to win the win the conference. You know, five five points behind USC heading into the last two weekends. But USC, UCLA, and Stanford all still have to play each other. So yeah. that's where uh, there's an opportunity to pick up points. If we can win out, you know, it could get could get interesting. Could get interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, and they're up. They because of these games they've played, they're up to uh, 40th in RPI. Um, so that you know, just their kind of lackluster non-conference schedule had them pretty low on that. Uh, but yeah. they, they're they've been rising on RPI, which they still use in soccer. Um, yeah, we, we put a lot of effort into using something new for men's basketball, but all the other sports, yeah. eh, screw them. <laughs> eh. Um, but yeah, so soccer, uh, volleyball, 
had a big weekend as well. Um, they had two in Pullman, uh, one on a Friday night uh, against Stanford, uh, and then one on Sunday. Uh, again, I, I I wasn't able to make it into the game. I was waiting for uh, my dad to get in town so he could have dinner and stuff. So I wasn't able to go yeah. to the the uh, volleyball match. But uh, from what I heard, it was, that was a heartbreaker. Um, they they got the first yeah. set and then had a had a chance to put him away in the fourth set and uh, didn't didn't get it done. And then, uh, so that's a tough break. But again, you know, every all of the other top. All the other top uh, programs, when WS in in volleyball in the conference, when WSU has played them, it's they've been these like epic five set matches. Like uh, you know they've won. You know they beat Washington. They lost to UCLA in five sets. They lost to Stanford in five sets now, and then they crushed Colorado. So like all the other top teams, um, you know, and they crushed Oregon. So you know they're kind of right up there with the upper echelon of of the teams in the conference. And they've just had some tough, you know, they had one really hard fought win where they had like a ridiculous fourth set that they lost to UW and then, and then still won. And then they've had two really heartbreaking losses at home to UCLA and Stanford. Um, but then you see how there's kind of like in, in, in volleyball in Pac 12, there's some, there's some haves and there's some have nots. And I was able to see the match against Cal, um, Thank you to Bob, who uh, gave me uh, an extra ticket. I was, I was going to go, but then I just got a ticket so, anyway. So I'm um, able to see that match against Cal in person. And you could just see uh, the uh, just the difference in the athletes, uh, the size and, and leaping ability and strength of the WSU athletes versus the Cal athletes. And just midway through the through the first set, I'm like, all right, we got to sweep them. And then also I have plenty of time to go to the women's basketball game. Um, so yeah, but it was, uh, it, it was pretty impressive to see that it's not like we're scraping together some squads here to stay good. Like, uh, Greeny and her staff are bringing in some legit athletes that are just yeah, like, like huge and, t- and athletic and just dominant. And, and they definitely, uh, against Cal, you could see that Cal just didn't have the the talent to keep up. Yep, yeah, it's super fun result, and I, you know, similar kind of deal, man. You know, when you show you can hang with anybody in the conference, and um, you know, I think volleyball is kind of in the same boat that, that I've said with soccer, which was that you know for so many years our, our soccer team was really good, um, but it also was like, man, when they'd play UCLA, Stanford. Um, you know, you just like the difference in the athletes would be so just obvious, right? Like we were, we were plucky, we were gritty, we could, you know, go toe to toe with anybody with some attitude. And, um, but there, there also was like, yeah, you know, those athletes are kind of on a different level and okay. So maybe if we play hard and we play really good defense and maybe we, you know, nick a goal on a counterattack, um, you know, we can, we can beat them. Um, or maybe, you know, we can, we can eke out a draw. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's just not that way anymore. And volleyball is the same deal. You know, it's, uh, you know, Washington obviously had been kind of the bully for quite a while and, you know, we've got some wins against Washington in volleyballs now. So it's like, you know, we, we are right there now, which, um, that that's the super, super cool part with what these coaches are building, 
um, in Pullman. Very, very excited. Um, very, you know, proud. I, I love the fact that, you know, Jen and Burdett are both, both Cougs themselves. Um, I think that makes a huge difference, uh, just in terms of their love for the program. And, you know, th- there's nothing quite like uh, as, as much as I love soccer. Um, when volleyball is really good, there's really nothing quite like a volleyball match in Boulder. Uh, when I was in college, they were very, very good when I was in college. Sarah Silvernail as, as a, as a throwback for, um, a lot of people who may have been in school around the time I was, you know, so she was playing for us and, you know, she was someone who was on, you know, the national team radar. She was really, 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 really good. And, um, you know, so, so when, you know, when volleyball's rocking and bowler is full, um, it, it sure is a heck of a lot of fun. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's just neat to see, um, what all these different, uh, what all these different programs are doing and in particular, you know, you went, you went and saw women's basketball. Uh, they don't, they don't look like they're ready to drop off for sure. Oh yeah. And obviously I got to see that group in person for the first time, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, to, I mean, uh, Charlize Ledger Walker, everybody is, everybody is impressive in person as she is, um, on television. Um, I, I tell you, I shouldn't have a great game, but, uh, Johanna Tader, like she is very athletic and yep. if she uh, takes a big step, that could be yeah. a major, major development for the team. I think she's the one to watch there, you know, cause I really liked in this game, obviously they were playing St. Martin's and they're a division two or lower possibly. <laughs> I don't, um, division two, they're yeah, division two. two. And they very really clearly had, I mean, if you look at what our, what our bigs did, uh, they had very little trouble scoring, uh, inside and, um, and, you know, our guards had very little trouble getting by the other, you know, the opposing guards. Uh, and so it wasn't, um, you know, the, the, the competition wasn't high, but still, uh, they beat the pants off of them and, uh, did it relatively easy. Like it, they were definitely playing hard, but like, uh, no player played more than 21 minutes. They played the whole bench. Uh, they, when they were playing the bench, they were extending the lead still. Um, so that was, that was nice to see. It was nice to see a lot of the players that, uh, don't always get to play. But, uh, but yeah, I think, um, Tader, uh, Bella is, you know, she made some nice post moves. Hopefully she can take a step forward. I, I, I know you could just tell by the way, uh, you know, uh, Cammy stays on her that, she knows that Bella is like kind of a secret to unlocking some things for them, obviously. Yes. Um, cause yeah. if she get rolling, um, I'll say, uh, uh, Ula's three point stroke looks better. Uh, she knocked yes. down a couple threes. One was kind of lucky. It bounced around, hit the backboard and went in, but one was just a pure straight down center. And, uh, you know, I was that talking, huge. I was talking to our writer, Bryce, who's, uh, a manager on the team. And uh, he was just saying, yeah, she's really worked on that. Yeah, because if she can just be, you know, get a couple, couple three ga- threes a game in there, that's a huge deal. Um, and she actually yep. led the team in scoring because she didn't miss a shot. <laughs> she was seven for wow. seven. Um, but yeah, so that was a, yeah, it was super fun. Uh, and I would say, like, for a women's exhibition game, uh, that was uh, a decent crowd, and like um, probably a more decent crowd than some of the Pac-12 or Pac-10 when I was in school, uh, women's games I went to. Um, oh, yeah. So, uh, so that was pretty fun. Uh, you know, they seemed very appreciative that just to have people in the stands. You know, they went through this dream season last year with not a damn person yeah. watching them. With nobody. Um, incredible tight games they played with no 
no fan support whatsoever. And so um, it, it was fun to be able to, you know, go and cheer for them. And it's just fun that, you know, I knew – you know, all the players on the court, cause you know, they return most of the players and they're just, they're just there. And, and, uh, it's just cool to see him play in action. Um, I, I, I'd love to see Johanna take a step forward and, and Bella, um, maybe Emma, Emma Nankervis uh, backing up Bella. I, you know, and I, th- so one big thing was, uh, uh, the freshman, uh, Tara Wallach, um, she was the one newbie that got a lot of playing time. I think she actually led the the team in minutes, and she's she's got some height. Um, she can play for a four, I think, a four or three. Uh, you know, three maybe maybe not a five, but in a pinch, like if they're playing small ball, a five. Um, she she had an outside game. She she would put the ball on the deck. She could score inside. I really liked what I saw out of her. Um, I, I think she's going to be, uh, a sixth or seven person. So like the Ooh. first or second, first or second off the bench, like, cause she, she, that's what she was. She was the first off the bench. Uh, other, I, I think the only reason she wasn't is cause, uh, uh, Bella took a shot, um, uh, early in the game on a, uh, someone trying to take a charge. And, uh, uh, so she came out and Emma and Curvis came in. Uh, but then, uh, but then Tara came out in, and so, uh, you know, to get a freshman that could be impactful would be huge for them. Um, and so that, 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 that's someone to watch out for. Um, you know, obviously didn't know much about her, but uh, she's from Canada and, but apparently she was just dominating up there and, uh, yeah, she looked pretty good. And, and so I, I look forward to, I think she could be a great kind of three, four wing stretch four uh, type player, player for us. Yeah, that's awesome because, uh, you know, you mentioned Bella and being the, the key to unlocking something. I mean, we just, you know, don't have a lot of athletic size. That's that's a big, big, uh, you know, when we talk about the the difference in athletes between, you know, WSU and some of the teams that we play most of the time, That that's a lot of times where it shows up in women's basketball because there just aren't that many, you know, athletic big players in women's basketball and they tend to be concentrated at, at the best programs, you know, which duh. Right. I mean, Stanford did that to us last year where it was just like, man, they're just so tall and athletic. You know, Bella is the one person on the roster who can do that. Um, and, you know, maybe hopefully this, you know, other recruit can, can do some, provide some of that maybe a little bit well, as well. Plus uh, she also interesting. I didn't, I didn't even look at the, I, I did look, but I, I, she's listed as a guard. Um, I'd say she probably didn't cause when she was in, she wasn't always – it seemed like she was playing more of a three, but I definitely was thinking she could have some guard I, I heart, guard abilities, and, and she doesn't. She's 6'2". So uh, if you got a guard that's 6'2", she can do – you know, yep. be, she can play one through four. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> like yeah. uh, to have that yep. versatile – especially off your bench, to have that versatility is, is huge. I mean, they also – did you know she's good. They gave her number one. Like – ooh. Yeah, she's number one. Like if you if you come in as a freshman and you get that number, that's pretty good. They they think highly of you. So I know uh, I know another freshman who was number one. Yeah, turned out pretty good. Exactly. So uh, feel feel free be to be that good, Tara. Um, yeah, yeah, that'd be so, all right. Um, she's from Semiamu Secondary High School, secondary Ooh. school in South Surrey, wow. Canada, which is uh, British okay. Columbia. Yes. Um, yeah. So. Uh, 
yeah, what a that was. So I saw two. I I got volleyball and basketball back to back on Sunday. That was great. That was Ooh. that was a treat. It's a hell of a weekend, man. Love yeah. It. So uh, that is that is it. That's all. Let's if you're going to listen to us for an hour and 40 minutes i really think you should subscribe um yeah and to get us in your ear holes uh for I agree. all that time uh you don't have to do any work it just shows up there it downloads if you if you're if you're getting in some place without service you got to download it there on your phone and won't cut out um if if you know if if you subscribe then go ahead and rate us five stars and then go ahead and uh leave a comment whatever um Tell a friend, tell a Coog friend about it. Uh, yeah. they, they'll probably like it. I don't know. Probably. Or they won't. I don't know. Maybe but Who not. cares? Tell them. Maybe they'll listen once. We'll get that that penny. Um, and then uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I had a couple of people, a few people this weekend uh, tell me that they know me from Twitter and they really like my Twitter. So, so it is random people in Pullman approved. Uh, Twitter account at, <laughs> at the Craig Powers, um, and then my Instagram at Craig W Powers. Jeff, you can you can see his tweets at Pod vs Everyone, and you can see a nice little picture of my daughter on the cover yes. from like a long time ago. At this point, she's very <laughs> like small three enough. years ago. Yeah, she's very small, <laughs> very small enough. Yeah, she got a lot more hair than that now. Uh, yeah, she does. Her hair is very long. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, she probably wouldn't pose for that picture at this point. She would, she would have her own ideas about what the picture would look like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she has a lot of ideas. That's yeah. That's for sure. If you want to send us an email, podcastbseveryone at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, whatever. And uh, with that, I will say once again, go kooks. Go kooks, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Get, get fucking vaccinated. Do it. <laughs>